black box problem is this notion that the brightest minds at Google, MIT, IBM, you name it, they can't actually explain how algorithms are making decisions today. That was Rachel Lowenstein from our Invention Plus team. I'm Nisha Ashra from Mindshare, and I'm your host for Provocation with Purpose. It's our podcast where we talk about emerging technologies and changing trends and the impact these have on our day-to-day lives. Pretty much every facet of our lives is controlled by algorithms, from what content we see to search engines to voice assistants. We're talking about algorithm bias and why it matters. We begin this episode in perhaps the most humble, least dystopian of places, which is a library in the 1940s. And we're starting here because for as modest and simple as libraries are, they actually hold a historical place in algorithmic bias history. In the early 20th century, there was a Howard University librarian named Dorothy Porter. And Dorothy had just acquired a series of books at the time from poets such as James Weldon Johnson. Now, after Dorothy had acquired these books, she was told to file them using the Dewey Decimal System, which, of course, is the number-based classification system that we've used for over a century to sort books and libraries. Now, according to the Dewey Decimal System, these new books that she had just acquired belonged in Section 325, the Section for Colonization. Although they were poetry books, they explicitly did not belong in the section about poetry, where poets such as Charles Dickens lived. And the only difference between Johnson's book and Dickens' book was the color of the author's skin. Now, Dorothy Porter thought this was, and I really quote, stupid. And if we back up to the Dewey Decimal System and what it was and why it was created, it was created by a guy named Melville Dewey and simply said he like really, really sucked. Up until quite recently, his system said that books that were just written by queer people belonged in section 132 mental derangements. He was also super anti-Semitic and was kicked out of the American Library Association for assaulting dozens of women. So despite this, we still use his system today. And despite his bias and his problematic nature, his system was incredibly and still is incredibly flawed. Which brings me to why we started in a library. Long before you Googled it or asked Alexa, the way that you got information was by going to a library. So it's no wonder why when we use a classification system that up until quite recently segregated black and gay writers from what the rest of one man deemed to be history, we get a whole new set of modern problems in the era of automation giving us information. And information is served to us today by algorithms. And algorithms are just a set of instructions to solve a problem. And something like the Dewey Decimal System, for example, is actually an algorithm or a recipe to bake a cake is also an algorithm. And of course, algorithms are essentially the foundation of machine learning because what they do is they take patterns that they find in data and apply them to make decisions. And as algorithms are getting increasingly more complex, there's a new problem arising with that level of complexity. And that problem is called the black box problem. And the black box problem is this notion that the brightest minds at Google, MIT, IBM, you name it, they can't actually explain how algorithms are making decisions today. And the reason why this is so terrifying uh, is not just because of the control that we've lost, but also because of the web of entangled data that's been encoded from a single narrow view of the human experience. Because Silicon Valley lacks diversity, full stop. It's overwhelmingly male, mostly white, cisgendered, heterosexual, under the age of 40, and from a middle to upper class socioeconomic standing. And when you factor in things like the world of AI and AI professionals, the numbers are even more dismal. Less than 20% of AI roles are actually held by women, and the numbers have actually decreased year over year. 
So at this point, you might ask yourself, well, why does Silicon Valley's lack of diversity affect me if I don't work in Silicon Valley? And this matters because machines don't have values. The values that we tell machines become their principles for right and wrong. And as humans, we all have flawed principles. We all have unconscious bias. It's what, part of what makes us human. Uh, so do I think that Silicon Valley's best and brightest talents are intentionally creating interfaces that are prejudiced? Absolutely not. But if you put bias into something, you're going to get bias out. And what's happening today is that algorithm bias is now everywhere. As one example of this, in the exact same news cycle where LGBTQ creators were blocked from uploading to YouTube, white supremacists were allowed to post to the platform for hate speech. Another example of this is the Apple Card. The Apple Card came out in late 2019, and shortly after it came out, dozens of men came forward online and said that even in scenarios where their wives were potentially making more money than them and or had better credit scores, their wives are receiving credit extensions of up to 20 times less than the men. And to be clear, this is not just a bunch of random guys on the internet, but actually Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, was affected by this with his wife. Voice technology is also affected by algorithm bias. Uh, both the United Nations and courts did studies where they essentially sexually harassed voice assistants on end and found that female voice assistants pretty much unanimously respond in a way that enjoys being harassed. And the United Nations actually put out a report saying that voice technology systematically promotes sexist attitudes towards women. And then finally, uh, facial recognition is potentially the most dystopian outcomes out of all algorithm bias. As two examples of this, there's a Russian development company that has created a quote-unquote gaydar. 90% accuracy, they can detect what a gay person looks like. Uh, and second, a Chinese software company created a facial recognition tool that they say can immediately detect the visual indicators of a criminal on someone's face. And both of these, of course, are minority report level terrifying, but they're arguably nothing new. This is just the modern application of something called physiognomy. If you're not familiar, physiognomy is the 19th century pseudoscience that said that you could infer something about someone's character based off of their facial features. For example, if you had a hooked nose or a large forehead, you were thought to be a criminal. And then finally, today the U.S. judicial system actually already uses an AI that's been proven time and time again by the brightest AI ethicist to actually be biased against people of color, systematically giving them harsher sentences than white defendants for the exact same crime. So as an industry, we've of course been turning our attention to greater social responsibility, intersectional inclusion. But the question is, is does any of this actually matter if the computational systems that control what we see, when we see it, and how we see it don't have these same values. Will consumers even see this information or will our ads at cultural attempts at equality be systematically annihilated on the basis of code? There is no one easy soul, but we should all be thinking about where the information we see is coming from and the impact algorithm bias has on us. That's it for this episode of Provocation with Purpose, the podcast that talks about pushing the boundaries and imagining the potential fates of media and what it means for us. Subscribe and stay tuned for more from Team Mindshare. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mindshare underscore USA.